right. Okay, we are back here. Episode 67. We're back to the usual setup. Uh, Kyle's with us again. Big thanks to Benny Deneen who who stepped in for me uh, while I had a, an episode off. That was three weeks ago. Um, I was overseas enjoying a bit of bit of rest time. But Kyle and Benny, what an experience for, for you, Kyle. How was it um, having a guest presenter? You guys did an amazing job. I actually loved listening to it. I loved being a listener. What was it like? Yeah, I, I'm kind of jealous. I feel like I need to just step off for an episode and do something different, go overseas like you and let you guys talk so I can listen to one. No, it was good. Yep. Benny fit in beautifully, as we knew he would. Like you said, he's been lots of guest appearances on and Instagram stories. So he slotted in perfect. So you just got to watch out, Tom. We need to keep ourselves, <laughs> keep ourselves going or we're going to get replaced very quickly. Because I think most hey. people liked having, liked having Benny on. I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, jet set away and take a couple of episodes <laughs> off on the podcast. <laughs> But no, thanks. Uh, big thanks to Benny for for doing that. We we've had him on Instagram Live a lot, and we know that the listeners out there love seeing his uh, his videos and love hearing his perspective. So I'm sure he'll be back again in some stage. And uh, Benny and Kyle, or perhaps Benny and myself, or who knows? Who knows? Going to be doing this podcast in years to come. That's what had me thinking, Kyle. Maybe in the years to come, it won't be you and I. It'll be two other people, two other up and two other up and comers. Yep. When I'm in my sixties and and you're in your whatever you'll be then in your forties. Uh, we'll be replaced. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll be replaced by two, uh, two young up and comers. So yes, but yeah, here we go. Episode 67. We left this a week, didn't we, uh, Kyle? Cause I said we, we needed a bit of time to, to, I guess, process and to understand and to get a bit of an overview of last weekend, the Gold Coast Marathon, which was absolutely outstanding. Um, what a wonderful experience to have it back, Kyle. It's 2019. Seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? That, that was the last time that we actually had the marathon. Yeah, we were thinking back and talking about that just before it, thinking that that felt so long ago. Like I was trying to think back to what I was doing running-wise back then. It just seems like, uh, you know, that was pre-COVID days. That's an eternity ago. So it was kind of, it almost felt like it was a new event. I felt like it had been that long since I'd been back around and we were doing something different. But it was nice to just see so many people back running that race again. So there's nothing quite like it in a lot of the other local racing we do. You don't get that really big event feel here in Southeast Queensland too often, but Gold Coast Marathon delivers. So it was a great weekend. It's always a highlight of the year and yeah, it lived up to it. So we're going to go through the marathon uh, in quite a bit of detail. We'll also go through the Brisbane Trail Ultra, which is pretty much still happening as we speak. And it happened yesterday. Uh, a great little inside, as we talked about Benny before, great little inside from Benny Deneen, um and Jody Oborn, who were commentating there. Western States style, I guess. Um, we'll, let, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Western States because that happened um the aura um 100 kilometer team has been announced for the world champs we've got a local athlete going to that we'll do a little bit of news from the goat loop a look ahead to kokoda and a few other big races that are happening and also jump back to the scenic rim uh short course series but yeah let's kick it off kyle with the gold coast marathon and i guess from my perspective on the sidelines it, it was just a wonderful community event again to, to say it's been three years um one thing I noticed when I was away in Hawaii was how good it was to be around crowds again. And I got that feeling coming back to the Gold Coast Marathon. It was just wonderful to see thousands of people on the start line and wonderful. I know the weather wasn't particularly great on the on the Saturday for the half, but the crowds were still out and just that opportunity to cheer. Because I was thinking we don't get to do this in trail running. Trail running is an awesome sport, but we don't get that moment where you can ride alongside or you can cheer or you can drive the course and get to see your athlete multiple times and and see them the whole time. The marathon is so public, and I guess that's what we actually love about road running. So to actually have it back was just just wonderful, and I've spoken to a few people in the week about their thoughts about it, and, and the, the whole thing that came back from them was just community. 
just community the whole way. The fact that it just galvanized the running community and what's going to come from this for so many people, for so many amateur runners, it's, it's motivating for those like myself who've been a bit injured. It's motivating for those who hit their times. It's motivating for those people who were just watching. Um, and even for those who maybe miss their times or DNF, like it just does so much for the Gold Coast community, the health and fitness community. And no doubt would have inspired many young athletes there watching uh, on the sidelines as well. But we're going to go through some details. And I've, mm-hmm. I've asked you, Kyle, for your top five. Um, we've had a, a messenger group this week which talked about the length of the course as well, which let's we'll get to that. No, no, no. I'm finishing with that. We'll okay. build up to it because that's, that's the peak okay. highlight of my conversation about this marathon. <laughs> I've been building this up all week in my head going, what am I going to say? So we'll leave that. Well, Carl, can I hit you with some stats to start with? If that's all right. Let's do it. So for those of you who don't like statistics, you might want to turn your um, podcast (laughs) off for a couple of minutes here. But I went through because I was, I was, I'm always amazed at how many people sign up for these events. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by certain markers in races. And Carl, you do this when we talk about the goat loop, certain markers. So I went back over the last 10 years and actually had a look at the number of participants in the marathon, just the marathon itself here, the number of participants in the marathon, what place a three-hour marathon would have got you, and then what the average marathon time was. So if we go back to 10 years, to 2012, there were 5,748 runners in the marathon. If you ran exactly three hours, you would have come 180th, and the average time would have been four hours and 18 minutes. Um, If we jump forward five years now to 2017, there was a couple of hundred more in it, 5,911 marathon runners. But you would have come 240th if you did three hours. So you were 60 places further back. And the average actually got slower in those five years. It was The average marathon time was four hours and 25 minutes. We then jump forward to 2018. There's a big jump in the number of marathon runners. 6,712 marathon runners compete. Again, 265th place you would have come if you did it three hours exactly and the the marathon time the average time gets slower again four hours and 29 in fact that's the slowest average marathon time we've had i think in the last 10 years was in 2018 then the last time we had the marathon in 2019 almost the same number of runners 6613 marathon runners but this time three hours got you 300th place uh and an average marathon time of four hours and 20. Now, listen to these statistics. This is what amazed me. This is the only reason I actually started looking at this, because this year we had significantly fewer marathon runners. We had 4,955 marathon runners. So about 1,700 marathon runners fewer than three years ago. Three years ago, if you did three hours, you came 300th. If you did three hours this year, which someone we actually know did exactly three hours, you came 457th place, which is just incredible. And an average marathon time plummeted to four hours and two. So, Kyle, what on earth has happened in the last three years and in the last five years where if you were to do exactly three hours in 2017, you came 240th. Fast forward five years' time, if you do exactly three hours, you now come 457th. That is a massive group of people in under three hours. What's happened in these last three to five years? We've got a group of three-hour to three-hour 20 marathon runners who are loving super shoes and going, (laughs) how good are these things? (laughs) <laughs> oh brilliant you've gone straight for it i was wondering i thought you might jump around it and go oh you know it's motivation we haven't had it and you know people have trained harder but you've gone straight for the super shoe argument do you think oh look you, you th- can't argue look at that how can you argue with that 
I don't know. I, 2019, I was not wearing super shoes. I think I just had a normal pair of my running shoes on and there wasn't that many around. And then you looked on the start line and when people were running on the weekend, yeah, and 95% of people in that first half of the field were running in super shoes. I don't know. Maybe it's got nothing to do with it. Maybe that happens to be a coincidence that we've got another 157 runners under three hours. But don't know. I'm sure there's people that will argue against me there, but the, oh, the shoes definitely play a little bit of a part in especially the back half of marathons, people's ability to hang on. So it may not be. It may just be everyone's super fit and Australian marathon running's hit a golden period. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I think shoes play a bit of a part in that. You, you might be right because... It's almost it's almost ten percent of the people who in the marathon ran sub three hours, which is an incredible number. In twenty nineteen, it was around five percent. So it's the the percentage has almost doubled in the amount of people going under, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I, that came into my head as 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 well, Kyle. But I'm not going to comment because I'm not a sub three hour marathon <laughs> runner. But the the super shoe came into it. It did. Um, I was wondering whether the fact that we haven't had a major marathon here. Um, but as I said, the numbers were lower. We, 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 we've got 1,700 fewer people running a marathon. So it's not like we had more runners. We had fewer runners, but the, but the percentage went up. Um, yeah, there could be lots of other reasons as well. Maybe training has got better. Maybe people's motivations have got better. Maybe it's just down to the 4%, the alpha flies, the next percent, all the carbon-plated shoes that we have. I hope it's not. I hope it's not, Kyle. <laughs> um, well, it's increased by, what, 4.5% people of the field when we've just yep. got shoes that increase your efficiency by four and a half percent. Not that that means finish time, but I don't know. The numbers and, are adding up here. And look at the, the average is incredible, isn't it? So like four years ago, the average was four hours, 29 minutes, and now it's four hours and two minutes. And if you look at the world averages around the, sorry, the, the marathon times around the world, it's about that four hours, 24 hours, 25 is kind of the, the average marathon time. So um, four hours, two, I don't know. Maybe the course is short, Kyle. Maybe this is proof. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that soon. We'll, we'll get to that, that soon. Um, so there we go. So yeah, there's a few statistics and things like that. But Kyle, let's let's start with your half marathon day. What a I, I've obviously I did the northern part of the uh, well, actually, it is a northern part, isn't it? The whole race is. But I, I did this sort of bigger water section. It was so great to see groups of runners and packs of runners, um, and great to see a few masters runners uh, mixing it in the middle there as well. But Give us a bit of an overview of your half marathon, how the actual your, your day went, your race. Yeah, it was kind of exciting leading into it. And it was funny. So Luke and I had applied for the our entry. And when you enter the marathon, it had the times that you could select for what group you wanted to start in. And the seated or elite group was sub 111. And Luke and I were like, well, we haven't run under 111, but we're going to try and go for around that. Let's just click it and see what happens. So we clicked that and then we never heard anything back. And it got to like, you know, three or four days before the race. And we're like, oh, it's still just got us in start zone A. Maybe we should check which one we're going to get put in. And then all of a sudden we kind of got a confirmation. I think it was about 1 a.m. on the Friday morning came through from Gold Coast Marathon that they'd approved for us to be in this seated start zone. So up the front of the race. Yep. So Luke went and picked up our bibs on Friday and then sent me a photo of the bibs. And all it said across <laughs> the front was elite. And I thought, yep. oh, my God. I said, Love it. Him, I hope that there's a bunch of other guys and girls <laughs> running around with those same bibs on because that's not a great look if it's just me and him walking around this elite area with elite on our bib. But anyway, we had a good laugh about that. And luckily when we showed up in the morning, there was quite a number of other people. But, yeah, we felt a bit odd. Like, we got to go into the, the Southport pool area, the elite athlete zone, you know, with these bibs that they gave us. And we were mm -hmm. walking around. you got, like, Brett Robinson and, you know, some of the fastest runners, like our Eloise Wellings, Jess Stenson, like, 
our Olympians walking around and here's a Luke and I in our North singlets walking around like <laughs> didn't really belong. But that, that was a good little experience to have. But it was good. We were a little bit worried about the weather going into it, that it was going to be a really strong wind, strong southerly and pouring rain. But it turned into a beautiful conditions. Like there is a little bit of a light drizzle. The winds mm-hmm. dropped and it was kind of end up being, you know, you can't complain about the conditions at all. They were kind of perfect to, to run in. But it was a... The other interesting thing was the start was now on the other side of the hill. So for the mm. first time ever, we started having to run straight up that little hill in front of um, Australia Fair there and then down the other side. And right in front of me when we started, and people probably saw this if they looked at the live stream, Jess Stenson got tripped right in front of us at the start. And then a few people kind of helped pick her up. So there was nearly, I thought, God, if a couple other people go down behind here, like it's going to be a massive collapse here. And I think the reason it happened was the start gun was really quiet. Like we were standing right near the start area and you could barely hear it. They said, on your marks, and there was just this little noise and we just went, oh, I'm assuming we're supposed to go now. And that's why I think everyone kind of second-guessed and why she fell. But, yeah, it was an odd an odd start. But then after that, you know, everyone was fine and we got away. And I reckon within a couple of, probably like a K or two, we kind of started to form a really nice pack. And you could see that there was the pack that was running about 109, 110 pace that had the lead females in it. And then we were kind of forming this pack just off the back of them probably running the equivalent of about a 111 pace. Um, and then it turns out that myself, Luke, Adzi and Ling, who we'd all been training together a bit leading up to this, were all in this pack. Um, and, yeah, it was good. We kind of settled into a rhythm there at that point. And then everything felt pretty good. It was nice to run in a pack again. And we kind of just stayed in that pack right through to almost like 13 or 14K. And then we got to that point and I reckon it was at about 14K. A few people started to just break up a little bit. And that's when I first started to go, oh, I'm really not feeling that good here. Like we're holding this pace, but I'm not feeling great. And at exactly that moment, Luke pulled ahead of the group and took off in front of me. And I was going, oh, this is the day. He's finally going to beat me today. Like I could just see him running away. And I went, oh, yeah. And then I managed to get it back onto the back of him and that group reformed again. I thought, okay, maybe, maybe I'm okay here. And then I reckon it was only when we got to maybe like four, three and a half, four K to go, not long before we started seeing you that I kind of went to the front of that group a little bit. And I think you posted the mm. video. We were still all pretty much together at that point. And I reckon it only when we went left into the grand did I feel like I made a tiny little gap on Luke and Adzi. And then I didn't look back at all. So I had no idea how close they were, but I couldn't really hear anyone. And I kind of got to that like K to go. And I was like, just keep sprinting. Like surely they're not going to catch me if I'm running a decent pace here. And it turns out they were not far behind me at all. Mm. And they were kind of battling past each other as well. Um, and then we all ended up within 10 seconds of each other. So it was one of those finishes that it was just a cool day to get all four of us, you know, racing each other and to end up within 10 seconds of each other. Yeah, it was amazing. So I think I just managed to dip under 112. I was 111.53. I think Ling was 112.01 or right on that. Luke was like two seconds behind him and the Adzi was about two seconds behind him. So it ended up being a really kind of close finish. But to get all four of us to have a day like that was was just awesome. Like, it almost felt like we we're back on like one of our training sessions that we'd done yeah. the weeks yeah. leading up to it. And yeah, to kind of, for everyone to put in a big effort like that and still be so close the whole way was, was awesome. Cause you don't get that in pretty much any other type of, you know, longer race at all. But yeah, it was one of those ones we all finished pretty happy and stoked with our times. Like I think we all wanted to run. I know I didn't Luke did just a touch quicker, but you know, given the day and the pack we had, I think we all executed pretty well as, as well as we could. And yeah, I equaled my PB to the second. Well, now I've officially yeah, got you? that as my PB. <laughs> my last year we ran to 21.2 and that spit and I ran 111.53 and that's my now official time. So I suppose I can call that my official PB is 
So is that is that gun time or is that uh, net time? Uh, well, when I looked at the results, they only had – yeah, I, it would have only been a second difference anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure that must have been net time. I think I when I look at, back at the video, I think I crossed in 111.54 and my results said 111.53. So I knew it was going to be mm-hmm. close at the end there because I'm looking up at the clock going, oh, God, like hopefully I can get at least equal my PB. <laughs> so, so I equaled it. So I can't – I suppose I can say it's a PB, I guess. But that was good. And uh, and I, I posted a, a quite a, a comical video of uh, – down that bigger water stretch of Adzi having a bit of a chat to Henry and I on the bike. Was he was he pretty vocal, Adzi, in the, in the he middle was, of the pack? He was very vocal. The, the highlight of my race was I reckon we got to like 13 or 14K. We started a group of like 12 of us. And that was when I started to feel crappy. And Adzi goes, righty boys, we're doing well. Let's take turns on the front. And I was so close to looking over my shoulder and going, Adzi, you've sat on the back of this pack for the whole morning. You get on the front and do something. <laughs> he was, it was oh, quite funny it. at the time. But he was chirping the whole way. You could hear yeah. him the whole time. So he had, a, he had a cracking run for him to run faster than he ran a decade ago. is is pretty impressive. So it was, it was so impressive to see. And I think he had a great weekend. He was loving it more than anyone. Yeah, it was it was one of the things I've written down here was actually the performance of Masters athletes, you know, 40 plus um, over the weekend was was outstanding. And even when you have a look at the results of of the, the top 20 or 30 places, there's quite a few Masters athletes in there and and Masters athletes who, you know, who are just amateurs as well. Um, it is so motivating for people to know that there are like you've always said, we have so much time in this sport, so much time to come good, regardless of whether you're yeah. injured or whether you're having a bit of time off or whatever reason is you're taking time out of the sport, you can come back. And, and and achieve remarkable things like you said Adzi's run a run a faster time than he did a decade ago um you know when he was at the height of his triathlon time so yeah it was it was great to see Pax that was so good um to actually see that and to witness it so Kyle you might obviously I don't know if you've gone back and watched the the uh, recorded feed of the half marathon but it was quite a good race yeah, particularly the female race the the, the Jess mm. uh Stenson and Eloise Wellings um race and also in the male uh the men's race as well almost the same point in both races was the was the race actually sort of won and lost um for the places so third place in the females laura nagel um from new zealand one hour 15 50 um second place jess stenson won 11 35 so you would have been on the were you in the finishing straight when she finished you must have been i i didn't actually see her but when i look back and watch it i must have been because i think we were what 18 seconds apart. So I didn't actually even, I was yeah. more looking at the clock going, I need to sprint. But yeah, we must have been. There you go. And um, yeah, Eloise Wellings in one hour, 10.53. So Eloise, she sort of broke away from Jess. Um, as you're coming through sort of where Runaway Bay Shopping Centre is, uh, a bit south yep. of that, but before you get to Lands End Bridge, that was kind of where she made a move and a fairly aggressive move as well. Um, so that, yeah, wonderful to have Eloise and Jess here. Eloise has won here previously. I know she's, I think she's, She's won the shorter races. I'm not sure if she's won the half before, but Jess has been here quite a bit. Um, so yeah, excellent performance there. And Kyle, did you did you have a look at the male race as well? Yeah. So I went back and watched it kind of afterwards as well. And there was a pack of three for pretty much the whole thing, which is Brett Robinson, Ed Goddard, and Liam Adams. And then towards mm. the end, Liam and Ed kind of dropped off when Brett made his move, but then Liam dropped back a little bit. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I only looked at this when I kind of saw the results because obviously I was behind them. I didn't get to actually see any of it, but Brett took out the win in 103.14, Ed Goddard 103.19, and then Tim Vincent, who we've yeah. mentioned plenty of times on the podcast, he came through for third, ran 103.31. Um, and I'll mention like Liam Buden from, he trains here on the Gold Coast as well. He ran 103.38 for fourth. So two local boys in the top four of the, the Gold Coast half marathons are a pretty impressive effort. 
And and look from from the race that I saw, I mean Brett Ed and Liam, sorry Brett Ed and uh, yeah Liam Adams, they were significantly ahead of the next mm. bunch, and the next bunch had Tim and Liam, um, and I'm not sure who the third guy was in that group. Let's presume maybe it was either Michael or Andre there, um, but there was quite a significant gap. And even when Brett broke away from Ed and Liam Adams, uh, you know you look back and went, well Tim and Liam. Tim Vincent, Liam Booden, they're significantly back. They're not going to catch him. Mm. And then when I saw the results and I saw Liam and, and Tim had come third and fourth, I was like, wow, what has happened to Liam Adams? So he's obviously, he did a lot of the work on the front at the half marathon, yeah. really, really pushed it. So he's obviously paid the price for that pretty late on. Uh, but outstanding results for Gold Coast yeah. locals to come third and fourth. Um, and, and, you know, particularly, we, we know how good Tim has been and we've mentioned him at the, you know, the Red Bull series that we've had here and at, um, at Blackhall as well. Uh, so we know how good Tim is, but Liam is getting better and better and better, isn't he? I think Liam won the yep. Queensland 10,000 last year, even though Tim wasn't racing. Um, was it a 10 or the 5,000 he won, whichever one it was. Um, but he's obviously getting better and better. And to get within seven seconds of Tim over a you know a fully-fledged A race, I guess, is a wonderful performance for for Liam there. And I guess uh, great results for Jackson Elliott, the coach, um, and the yep. Gold Coast Run Co. That's an outstanding weekend. And then, Carl, we, uh, we pivoted, didn't we? The weather got better. And I, I spoke to you on the Saturday afternoon. I said, what are you doing? You said, well, I'm jumping in. I'm pacing the three-hour group again, uh, which put you in line for the double, the uh, the Gold Coast Marathon mm. double. Although I was told by someone you could actually do a triple. You could you could, you could, could have done the 5K uh, and taken it up to 68 point something, but there's no medal for that. So why would you do it? No. Um, why would you do that? So, <laughs> so the, the, the marathon, um, t- yeah, talk us through that from your perspective. Um, you had a extraordinary day out with a lot of uh, club mates and a lot of local people on the coast uh, around that three hour mark. But what was your perception of, of the marathon as a whole and, you know, the crowds, particularly down the South, which I didn't get to see. Yeah, it was, it was a great day. Like I I've always said that pay, when I got to pace the three hour group in 2019, that was probably one of the most enjoyable running related days I've ever had. Like I, it was such a good experience and I know we did a podcast after it as well and I mm. absolutely loved it. Um, so kind of to get the chance to unofficially jump in and help pace that group again, I knew it was going to be a good day and I was just hoping that my legs pulled up okay from Saturday that I'd be able to do the whole thing with them. I I probably said more to people like, oh yeah, I'll, I might jump out at, you know, whatever it was early on or I'll, I can step off at 30, 31 when we get back past the finish. But I think deep down, like I wanted to run the whole thing with them like that group of guys that have been coaching, especially just to make sure they all got through and, you know, had good days. So I reckon I ran through like the first couple of Ks and it's always a bit, yeah, a bit of mayhem trying to cross over the the bridge and stuff at the start of this race. And from memory, when I did it in 2019, everyone kind of sat behind me when I had the balloons, like there was a little bit of a gap in front. So I felt like I had a little bit of clear space in that first kind of couple of Ks straight away. But this year I kind of started. So Rob, I'm doing Kokoda with as well and trains with us. He was the official pacer and Jake had to swap out because he'd been a little bit unwell. Um, so he had the balloons and I ran with him through most of this. Um, we were in the middle of a massive pack early on. It was quite bizarre, like to get the pacing right because there was just people everywhere in front of us. There was no real spacing, like everyone had just kind of taken off. Um, so Rob did really well to get that pace right. The first couple of Ks were pretty much spot on, which was really good. So we kind of then settled into that rhythm and yeah, the first few Ks kind of fly by as they normally do. And that pack kind of slowly formed within that first, you know, five to six K, everyone kind of finds their spot. But yeah, it seemed like there was a lot more people around that than that whole area, like even in front of us. I remember when I did it, it seemed like it was a pretty big, like it wasn't that many people in front of us. There was a massive group behind me trying to get to three hours, but there wasn't too many in that, you know, 
couple of hundred meters in front of me through 10k whereas this year there was a there was massive groups in front of us as well so whether that was just like i said that is part of the numbers people were going out a little bit harder and more confident but yeah we kind of didn't feel like it was as an isolated group like it did three years ago which was kind of nice because it took the pressure off kind of everyone following you so we settled into a good rhythm and then by the time we got through kind of 10k a big pack had started to form behind us which was really cool and i think we're pretty much on the pace we needed to be at through that space and it's always just that section heading down towards burley it starts to get really busy once you get past that kind of you kind of 13 yeah. 14k um and you start to see some of the lead packs come back through so we got to see you know we didn't get to say i think we just missed tom but we saw jack and ando on the salt train boys and everything so everyone's you know yelling out and having a good time there the crowd's always massive through there and yeah we had a massive pack which was awesome through there and i reckon we were probably we got through halfway in about 129 flat so we're about a minute up on where we needed to be um which was a tiny bit quicker than what i took them through in a couple of years ago but you know the pack was really happy like that's wherever i wanted to be um and yeah i reckon i kind of slotted in a little bit towards the back of the pack there to actually run with kind of marty chris and dan trev i think michael spence he'd gone off the front of the group a little bit just mm. to make sure they were going well and they were all in a pretty good spot at that point and then we kind of came back through over the bridge and that's what i kind of said to everyone while we we're running like that's kind of where it's all going to start once you go back over the sundale bridge you've hit 30k You'll go back past the finish area. It's all noisy and exciting. And then as soon as you leave that, that's where it's going to get tough at about that 32, 33K mark. It quietens yep. down and, you know, that's kind of where it all starts and we've got to dig deep and save some energy for. So we got back past that area and the noise was good. Like it was exciting. We all kind of, everyone's fun families were around the finish area. So everyone was pretty happy through there. Mm -hmm. And then I reckon we got to about 30, oh, I would have been about 34K or 33. I reckon I remember thinking we got about 9K to go. And that's when I started working out some kind of splits and paces that Marty and Chris needed to hold to stay under three. Um, and I think that worked really well. So I think we got to like 9K and I said to Marty, you've only got to run like 425 to 430s from here and you're going to do this. So every K that you can run under that, that yeah. pace is going to keep climbing up of what you actually need to hang on and hold. Mm. I think that was a good way for them all to go, okay, we're under. Like as long as I stay under that, that pace is going to keep climbing, climbing higher. And at that point, Rob's group, um, they kind of pulled ahead a little bit. So I'd stayed back with with Marty and Chris was just in front of us. And then Chris kind of held on to the back of that group. So I thought, okay, hopefully he's okay. And then Marty kind of kept holding about 420s while running through that section. He hit like probably three or four, like 420s on the dot. So yeah. that was kind of a good confidence boost through there as well. And then the pace that we needed to hold was kind of like got up to like 435s and then creeping up towards 440s. And then I reckon we got to about 5K to go and we just started to slow a little bit. And I thought, okay, this is the this is the pivot point here. Like if he hangs on well here, we'll get this. Otherwise, it's going to be really, really close. And then we got to, I think, the left turn at the Grand, which is about 3.2K to go, just over three. And I said to Marty, you've got to run 440s from here and you'll be yeah. under this. So if you can stay under that, you're good. And I reckon at that point, we're running somewhere between 425 to 428s from memory. So I thought if you can just stay here, like you're okay, like, you know, you still it could still go wrong from here. Like it's going to take one or two slow Ks here and, and he'll miss yep. it. But he stayed really strong. And next minute I look up, once we got onto that straight at the grand, and I could see Chris walking up ahead of me and I was like, oh no. So I yelled out at him. I said, Chris, don't let us catch you. Like you need to keep running. So he kind of ran with us for a little bit. And then he kind of dropped off the back a little bit again. I thought, oh, come on, like he's, it's too close. You had about two, two and a half K to go. Like you need to keep mm. running. And I stayed with Marty through that section. And I reckon it was when we had like a mile to go. I looked down and thought, okay, 
like we're good here. Like if we can just hold this pace where we're on, we got round over the bridge and then saw the 41k sign. So 1.2k to go. And he had exactly six minutes to break that three hour yeah. barrier. And he had 1.2. So I was like, okay, like five minute pace and you're good here. Like just stay here and we're good. As long as he doesn't cramp and have to walk, like we should be okay. And that was the first time I turned around and saw Steve Ketley as well. So he'd never broken oh. three hours and he was kind of yeah. charging behind us as well. And I thought, we're pretty close here and he's he's close enough that he should get this. So I was kind of trying to turn around and yell at him to get him to keep coming through down that finish straight. And I reckon we turned left at the pool, which is, you know, you turn left with just under 300 metres to go. And at that point I was like, okay, you're good, Marty. Like you're under, you're going to be nearly a minute under here. Like just keep going, go and enjoy this. And Steve wasn't too far back. So we hit the finish kind of straight where you could see the finish. And I think the clock still hadn't ticked over 259 yet. So Marty knew that he was going to get under for the first time, which was awesome because he had a few failed attempts. So that was mm. kind of exciting to see. And then I turned around and Steve was going to get under as well, gave him a high five. And I think he was about 25 seconds under. I crossed the line and then I turned around. And I was like, oh, I could see Chris's headband just bobbing down the finish <laughs> shoot. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be close. But look at the clock. And then he comes sprinting through and the clock just ticked over three hours when he like hit the blue mat with like, Oh, it must have been like 50 meters to go and we we're all just yelling out to him keep going like that's the gun time yeah. like we probably crossed like 15 seconds 20 seconds after that you've got to keep running and you could tell he was looking at us like what are you talking about i've missed it like look at the clock like why are you guys <laughs> yelling at me like i've missed it and he crossed the finish line and stopped his watch and i remember like we grabbed his watch as i actually screen recorded the video of it we grabbed his watch and we're like what did you run like and he had no idea he thought he'd missed it yeah, and we're waiting for it. Once you pause it, it had just had the distance. So we're waiting oh. for it to flick across to the time <laughs> like for a couple of seconds. And then it tick flicked across and said 259.54. And we're like, oh, he's done it. So yeah, it someone had their phone and checked it. And his official result was 259.54. So for his first yeah. marathon, considering that he, he's been injured for the last little bit and he was coming off nearly no training, he he hung on and he's he's run a sub three debut marathon. So that was that was exciting because he was the last one of the group that we had that were trying to mm. break three and everyone else I knew was still in front of me. So at that point I went, everyone broke three that we wanted to. There was about 10 of them all up. I think that hadn't broken from our club yeah. and, and people that I'd been, been coaching. So they all absolutely smashed it. And, you know, that was probably the highlight of my weekend knowing that all of them finished under three hours, which was amazing. Uh, you've, you've seen that wonderful photo that I'm not sure who took it, but it's of Chris finishing and, and of you and Jack with your, your arms. It, it must yeah. be that moment where you're saying almost check your watch or Jack looks like he's handing him a beer or something like that. But it's that wonderful photo where it's just, it's done, it's finished. And, you know, we're talking seconds here. And I'm going to get, I'm going to ask you in a moment about why, why three hours is so special because there are moments across, there's four hours, there's five hours and, you know, there's three hours 30. And, and but what makes the three hours so special? But before you answer that, I just want to, to go through some some numbers here this is the most incredible thing is that if you go from people who are within 10 seconds you've got ben russell who ran uh 259.53 darren reed ran 53 seconds chris halpin as you said 54 anthony cormack ran 55 jeffrey sanders won uh, ran 57 ricky arnold two hours 59 and 58 so he was the uh, he was the other three hour pacer as well right just note quite noting that so he's absolutely then nailed get, that then you get the heartbreak of heartbreak kyle trent harding who we know is a gold coast local three hours and zero seconds the official time that they've given him is three hours on the dot i don't know how you reflect on that i almost don't even want to talk about it because you're just like how like you've run 42 
0.195 kilometers and it's come down to one second. It's just heartbreaking. Um, so I kind of want to skip past it, but just those well, look, numbers. His, Kyle, his like... Strava says sub three. So should we just leave it at that and go, he's happy with it? He's, oh, that's what I <laughs> he's mean. He's happy totally. with the run. Yeah, it's incredible. But so what, like what we've talked about the marathon being such an arbitrary number of 42 kilometers, 195 meters. And now all of a sudden, three hours becomes the make or break number when there are three hours 30, there's four hours, four hours 30, all those different ones. What, what is it, Kyle, that? signifies three hours as being the biggest of all numbers um maybe it isn't the biggest maybe it's just where we're focusing but what do you think oh i think it's one of those it's just because it's this round number like people want to see a two in front of it and like i I think we were talking about it i was talking about with rob on our run this morning that you can't really you can't not train to break three there's not many people around that have not like you can't just fluke a three on talent like once it gets to the marathon distance like you have to have done a decent amount of running at some point to break that barrier. And I think that's why it's it's not one that people can kind of just come across from another sport necessarily and just happen to run a sub three. Like it's this barrier that you have to have to work for. Like you can't just mm. do it because you want to do it. Um, and again, we, it's like you said, it's such an arbitrary time and number. Like 42.195 just happens to be the distance a marathon is. And I'm sure if a marathon was 40 kilometers, people would still try and break three hours and it would still be the same barrier mm. because it's just a nice round number. But I think the other ones is people want to like be able to run, you know, I'm sure for a lot of people breaking like four hours, 12 would be a big one or four hours, 13, which is six minute pace. So like to break yeah. that barrier and get into the fives is probably the other big one. I think people just like round numbers. Like when number, mm. a lot of runners like numbers and it's just a nice round one that people want to say they've run a sub three marathon. It's just, I think the more we talk about it, the more we build it up as a, as a big barrier that people want to break. And it's a, kind of one of those bucket list items that they just want to say, yep, I've, I'm a sub three marathoner. I can, I can leave it now and know that I'm happy that I've ticked it off. Yeah. And it, like you said, it, it is such a, a beautiful round number as well, isn't it? I guess like four hours and five hours. Um, but I guess as well, if you, if you're going for two hours 40 and you run two hours 40 and six seconds, people will go, Oh, you, you pretty much got it. Yeah. Well done. Um, but take Jeffrey Ormiston here in 458th place. He's run three hours and six seconds. Like that's obvious, isn't it? That he's just missed. Whereas if you run, if you're going for two hours 40 and you just miss it, people go, oh, you've, you've run two hours 40, just take it. Yeah. Whereas I think it's because, you People know, always seconds. focus on it as this barrier that's, yeah. it is. Because yeah. that first number is a three, not a two. That's, it's an easy that's, one to look at. And, and maybe it's because that's the professional, the professionals have a two at the start of theirs as well. So you're, you're in the same hour bracket as the, as the best of the best. Who knows? We could, we could dissect this in many different ways. Um, now, Kyle, I'm, I don't know if you've you've got your top five moments. Well, actually, before we do that, let's let's have a look at the results. Have you got the results? We probably from go the through the results. Marathon yeah, itself. Have you, have you got them there? Go through. We can results. Um, so we'll go through the ladies first. So third place was Shiho Kanashigi from Japan. She ran two twenty nine twelve. Second place, we had Lisa Waitman, who is our local runner. She, that was her second fastest marathon she's ever run. So she ran two twenty five fifty five which is a cracking run. And then in a new course record was Lindsay Flanagan from the US. She ran 224.43. So considering, you know, it was, and I think from what I, I've listened to the, on the Inside Running podcast, Brad Croker, who was pacing that lead female pack, said that she kind of really went for it a little bit. Like he said, you generally get a pretty good idea of how hard these people are working through kind of halfway. And he said, she was working pretty hard just after halfway and she stuck with it and just hung on and ground out a you know, course record really well. So to go and run sub 225 is an incredible effort from Lindsay. So that was the 
the female side of things. So they've all three of them under under 230. And then in the males, overall, we had Amari Paquette from Belgium, I believe. Mm, he was yep. third in 215.45. Um, Akihiro Kaneko from Japan, 214.25. And then Joe Fukuda, he won in 210.55. So he's run by four and a half minutes. And I reckon, yep. like, overall, we're talking about this a couple of people that that's probably not, like, you know, he did enough to win. Like, he looked like he did it relative. He's run sub 210. He looked like he was just cruising. He was absolutely flying towards the end. Probably could have run quicker. He did enough to win comfortably. But it's probably the slowest second and third male mm. finishes that we've had in a long time to be only, yep. you know, two people under 215. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it was an interesting at the deep end, at the top end of the elite, that it was only one guy that kind of went under 214. And then... I guess, yeah, Louis. Big shout out for Louis. Yeah, I was about to say, we're kind of going to go like, because this was also the Oceania Marathon Championships as well. And Louis McAfee, it was his debut marathon. He was fourth overall, first Oceania athlete, 217.50. So... To go and run two seventeen fifty in your your debut marathon, bloody impressive! <laughs> it's it's fast. So like that's a that's a cracking run. And there was a couple of other just times overall that I was going to point out, like um, Aiden Hobbs, who we've talked about lots of times. He was oh. seventh overall and ran two twenty oh eight. And we're going to talk yeah. about him later because he raced raced yesterday as well. But seventh overall Gold Coast Marathon, and you now he's very close to breaking two twenty. I think that was a big PB for him. So. <laughs> he's nearly at sub 220 marathon of it. He's run a 220 marathon, which is incredible. Yeah. So shout out to Aiden X. He's absolutely nailed that race. And a few of the boys from the Inside Running podcast as well, Brad Croker. He 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 pretty much paced Lindsay, didn't he? Um it he paced like it anyway. and then ran a bit harder at the end. 223. Yeah. It was good to see him back racing. But yeah, that was good to see. And you you, you did mention before about second and third their times, and I wonder. Uh, you know, Lindsay comes 13 or came 13th overall. I, I would be interested to go back to see whether that's the best finishing place for the lead female. It, it almost, I think it'd be pretty close to be. Um, yeah. The marathon, Kyle, is to, it is the greatest of all endurance running races. And and I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because it is so public. And maybe it's because we haven't had it for three years. Um, you know, here in Southeast Queensland, we have got so many trail races that we can get into. And you could argue which one's better than, than each of the other ones. But there's no doubt about it that the Gold Coast Marathon is the greatest road race that we have in probably Australia. Maybe Melbourne, you could argue, is up there. But Gold Coast, I would have to say. And to witness a marathon is something special, isn't it? And to, to be in a marathon. And and for me, I haven't done the Gold Coast Marathon for five years now. And I tell you what, I was absolutely frothing afterwards. After watching the Saturday and the Sunday, my initial reaction was, I just want to get back into running a marathon. It is it's such a wonderful event to see and such a wonderful and as I said, we have so many trail races that we can get into, but everything that we do road running here, everything that we do outside of trail running is geared towards the Gold Coast Marathon. Yes, we've got Brisbane and Sunshine Coast and all those other things, GC50 later in the year, but this is the big one and it brings the whole community together, doesn't it? And, um, yeah. you know, and people train for it. it. It changes people's lives and we've seen that, you know, and what's going to happen after the marathon. People will just be, their lives will have changed completely because of it. And it is, it's so good to see. It's so good to witness. And, you know, I don't know if you see the same outpouring of emotion at a trail race. I don't, I don't think I've ever witnessed that same sort of emotion. Maybe it's sometimes at Ironman level at, at, in triathlon, but you see it in the Gold Coast Marathon. You see it out on course with the supporters and the runners, and then you see it at the finish line. I mean, if you want to, if you want a spectacle, just go and go and hang around that recovery zone after a marathon and just see what 
what it actually happens and the, <clears throat> witness the emotions that people go through. Um, so, Carl, do you have a top five uh, moments from the Gold Coast yeah. Marathon weekend? I don't know. I did ask you about this. I didn't know whether you'd, you'd done it, but um, let's go five to one. Uh, we'll do this quickly because we've okay. been talking. For I, I haven't ranked them, so these probably oh, going to okay. be aren't. In order, let me just have a look. You go first, then I'll try and try and put them in a, a ranking. Okay. We we have. Um, we'll go through this quickly because we've we've nearly hit forty minutes here on the Gold Coast Marathon, and we do need to move on. Um, but. <laughs> But, um, and we have mentioned a few of these ones. Number five for me, it's a strange one, and maybe it's because I'm in this category, even though I didn't race, was, as I said, the performance of Masters athletes over the weekend. Um, I've got quite a few friends and family in Brisbane who came down for it and did exceptionally well, who are older than myself. Um, as I said, if you go through and you look at, at the performances of people who are 40 years and above, male and female, um, you see how, how, as I said earlier, how motivating it is that you have a long a long career in amateur running and if you stay fit and you stay healthy and you, you work with coaches and you work sensibly then you can be performing well into your 40s and 50s and 60s at a, at a high level so for me kyle it's a strange one but number five is yeah the performance of the masters athletes have you yeah. got a number five let me i'm, I'm trying i'm just going to go through them and start listening off because they're all going to yeah. so i had a kind of just a couple of more performances individually that just kind of stood yep. out as like impressive runs that i was kind of going to go through i might have to double up here a couple but and we've mentioned a few of them but like i had so aiden hobbs is 220 i still think that's super impressive because he's just getting yeah. faster and faster like he's been around for so long and yeah. he's still just running pb after pb like that's up there for me i think him running 2007 or 208 2008 whatever yeah. it was i think he's 36 37 and he's just getting faster and faster is yep. awesome to see so that was that was a pretty impressive i was very impressed when i saw that saw that result come through um, yeah, number four for me, uh, we have mentioned them before, was the performance of Tim, Louie, um, and Liam, the local boys, the Gold Coast Run Co. I think yep. it's it's close to breakthrough performances from the three of them, and, and that's exciting because we have talked about those three for the last couple of years. Yes. Uh, number four for you? Yeah, well, I had kind of those as a couple of ones as well, so I can kind of – that would be one of mine as well, I suppose, for that. But yep. the other ones, I suppose, if I go through, I had – like I had as far as moments – the guys all getting sub three like that is a bit of a moment for me like i feel like that's such a yep. big thing um for all of them to get it like i thought that was normally i was like i was they're all in shape to run this like to say the 10 of them that wanted it but someone always has a shocker like someone always has a bad day someone just doesn't do yep. it so for all of them to do it was i was that was probably one of my highlights of the weekend was seeing all of them finally break yep. sub three for the first yep. time it was just amazing um third for me was Lindsay Flanagan the female record if as you, as you said I think she only went under by four seconds um the the commentators particularly it was was it Steve Monaghetti or was it Rob DiCasilla someone was saying you know she's she's gone out too quickly like she's gone too fast I can't remember who it was maybe it was Monas and um and they were saying you know her her style looks a little bit you know, she's working too hard, but then they realized that was just her style. Um, you know, and that was a bit of a Paula Ratcliffe kind of style with the head head bobbing around and things like that. So um she is coached by Benita Willison. By all accounts, they only sort of met a few days beforehand and, and Lindsay ended up sleeping at, at Benita's place. Um so I think, yeah. So Lindsay Flanagan's course record for a, for an American, yeah. for a for a US girl to come out here, it's a long way. Um, and to break the course record is outstanding. 
So I'm going to have a couple of ones. So obviously I like to look at that and go, yeah, the, the winners, are, that's obviously going to be in the top yeah. moments. But the other couple of times I was going to mention, so Tennille's 239, another local runner for her to go sub 240. I think that was yep. like for her to kind of run and come back after she's had some injuries um, over the last couple of years and, and run a PB and run 239 was super impressive. So I was really happy mm-hmm. for her to, to actually run a PB. I know she wanted it. So that was definitely up there, up there for yep. me. Um, and my top two, uh, I've mentioned the second one, the, just the fact that the crowds and the buzz and the event, the community feel, as we said, that that was just everywhere for me, um, number two. And I'll do two and one together, Kyle, because my number one moment, and this is something which everyone who was racing, you may have witnessed it, you may not have, you might not even realise it until afterwards, was um, Yuki Kawayuchi, the citizen runner. It's For those of you who haven't seen this, on the live feed, he just pulls out at six kilometres, five and a half, six kilometres, and it looks like a hamstring or maybe a lower leg. And the commentators really don't know what's going on about it. And then you didn't really hear much anything else about it in the live feed. And then as you go through social media later that day, you see photos of him at 30K and at 35. And you're like, holy hell, he's finished the thing. So this guy has never he's never DNF'd a marathon ever. And he's he's one of the most, you know, hardworking and hard racing athletes around the world. Um, he's won Boston. He's won here before, and he finished in three hours and fifty-seven minutes. That, to me, is my standout moment because for anyone who who considers DNFing, this guy ran almost twice as slow as he normally does. You know, an hour and fifty slower than he normally does, but he wanted to finish. He said he got no appearance fee for it, so he's come out here. They obviously have a time that they have to hit for the appearance fee, so he's missed out on all that. He's just finished because the marathon means finish to him. That's my number one moment. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So I suppose, well, that was also my number one moment. I'll go into that because I did actually got to yeah. see it firsthand just after he'd come off. But the other one I was going to oh, mention right. as well was, um, so Tom's 232. It was like, I just, and Tom knows this, like we all follow his training. He's just so consistent with everything. And it was nice. He's obviously run his unofficial marathon time during COVID. So for him to go and run a PB and, and lower that a bit and, and tick off his 232 was was awesome. I kind of, when I saw him at the finish line, like I, I kind of asked him how he went, but I feel like I already knew exactly what, what he would have done because he yeah. kind of was going to go out of that pace and he just executed it perfectly. So for him to execute another race to perfection was was massive for me. And then I, I had Yuki finishing as my number one. Like it was just yeah. one of those things I was like, when I found out, I was like, no, surely not. Like we <laughs> ran past him at in front of Jewel in Broadbeach. So I can't remember how far in that is. It's less than 10K in. And at the time, it didn't really click that, obviously, he would have gone to that point way ahead of me. It looked like he just stepped off and he was kind of hobbling and about to step mm. off the side. But he obviously had been doing that for, for quite a while. And I didn't think anything of it until probably like four or five o'clock that afternoon when someone said, oh, did you see that he finished? And I was like, no, he didn't. I saw him walking <laughs> on the side of the road at like 6K. Like, he didn't finish. And then I went yeah. and looked it up and went, oh, my goodness. So for him to... You know, I don't know any other professional athlete that pulls off the front pack at 6K and finishes a marathon. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone else that would do that. So for him to do that was just awesome. That was a really cool thing to see <laughs> for me for him to finish that because, yeah, a lot of people, whether they're professional or not, would not. Like, if I pulled off with an injury at 6K in my marathon, I can't – I don't know if I would have – like, I would have thought, oh, I'm no. done. Like, I'm 6K in, like, a 36K to go. Like, there's no point. So I probably yeah. wouldn't have finished. So for him to finish, that was just – amazing yeah yeah definitely uh and and if you look at the live feed or go back and watch the feed the, the belgian boy in third amory he he was looking around when yuki um stepped off the course amory was kind of looking around going what what's going on what this is ridiculous like you could just mm. see that moment where he thought holy hell the the game is on now the race is on because the, yeah. the red hot favorite um the red hot favorite is out so that obviously 
change the game completely at the professional end. Now, Kyle, I'm going to set the timer here to two minutes because we haven't talked about it. The last thing. So two yes. minutes, no more than two minutes because we do have to get on. We're now at 47 minutes. So this has been the longest segment. We should, I think have, started we've we should have started with it. Well, I did so. <laughs> two minutes starting from now. Let's talk about the length of a marathon. It is, and I'm going to underline this, it's 42.195 kilometres. End of story. I don't care what people's Strava says. I don't care what their GPS says. If your race is labelled a world a world athletics road label race, there are so many checks that you have to go through. And I'll go through them here, Kyle. These are the six things. One, two, three, four, five. These are the six things that Gold Coast Marathon have to agree to and have to hit the requirements of. One is timing. Two is race organisation. Three is media. Four is medical. Five is they must have an international field. And most importantly, Kyle, I've written this in capital letters, six is the course measurement. They have to hit six requirements in order to get a World Athletics Road Race label. Don't care what Strava says. What do you think? You've got a minute now, Kyle. I've had my minute. It's... What do you think? So, oh, a minute? Okay. <laughs> Definitely. I look at it. <laughs> Come on. We'll just ramble on. I look at it. <laughs> my theory on this as well, it's not a theory. It's just fact. Like, the course yeah. is not long. Anyone who thinks the course is long, the course is not long. You may run slightly off tangent, which means, yes, you may run slightly longer, but the GPSs are not accurate running through all the buildings or anything. So if anyone that did the marathon, whenever you go past surface through that section all the way to Broad Beach, if you actually paid attention to what pace it said you were running, it would have dropped about 20 seconds a K because the GPS is not accurate there. So you would have lost, like you watch would have said you're running a lot further than you actually ran through there and you never run the right tangent anyway. And one of the other points, so you can't claim your watch time on a marathon. So we'll put that out there. You can't. That's just, you just can't do it. It's just, you can't. End of story. You cannot watch time. Yep. And I've seen a couple of people who have stopped their watch. Well, one other, anyway, people have stopped their watches before the finish line because their watch has ticked over and they're claiming breaking three hours. But no. we'll, we'll just leave that there. I, we'll, we'll talk about that more off air. Yep. I can't, I can't <laughs> agree with that. You can't do that. Yeah, marathon is to the finish line. So the other thing, I, when I was thinking about this, let me just go. I got one more thing here, Tom. Which I reckon, yeah. it, as I laughed about this with people thinking it's long, I can guarantee if you go back and watch any Olympic track race, that there is no yes. way that people stay in the inside of lane one for the whole thing. And I can guarantee that Chepty guy didn't finish the ten thousand meters at the Olympics or the World Champs and going, guys, <laughs> did you not see me running lane two around that bend on lap sixteen? Yeah. Can you take a second off my time, please? Yeah. Not a chance, not a chance. And my watch when I ran my 5K track race said I ran through 5K in 14.22. So if people are claiming marathon watch times, I am a 14.22 5K runner. There we go. So as, as you that. said, that was like three minutes. That was good. Yeah. As you said, a 400-meter track is measured from the inside line, isn't it? Now, if you run outside, which obviously everyone does, you run outside that inside line, you run further. The other thing as well, Kyle, at an Olympic marathon, for those people who've watched Olympic marathons, have you ever seen that blue line that weaves its way through the streets and it hugs every single corner? That's that's the shortest line, isn't it? That's that's why those marathon runners literally run on that blue line and they don't leave it because that's that's the measurement point. That's the line at which they And I think the, the other thing with that is even if someone ran the perfect line at Gold Coast mm. Marathon, the GPS isn't that accurate anyway. It's still going to say no. that you've run long, even if you did run the distance. So watches are not as accurate as the devices used to measure the courses. So even if your watch says that. And I think the other thing people go, oh, there's a lot of races we do where the watch is like pretty much spot on. And I'm like, yeah, they're the races that are measured using a GPS watch, which is most of our trail running events and things. 
they measure them using watches, not the official measurements. That's why they're accurate to your watch. But I think marathons that are actually labelled, definitely accurate. World Athletics road label, road race label. Um, The thing is as well, the the device they use is actually called a Jones counter. So that's a calibrated bicycle. with it with a counter on it as well so and they and they measure these things over and over and over again it's not just measure it once and we'll take it from there they measure these multiple times and they have there's actually a, an occupation a job occupation where people are actually distance measurers this is what they do they've either got to be an a standard or a b standard accredited person who measures the distances of, of events and things like this they're the people who do it it's not gold coast marathon who do it you know they actually have people who come out to measure these things so um, yeah, I, I sent you a screenshot, didn't I, Kyle, of one of the UTAs that I did. Was it the first one where it, it measured 101.5? So clearly I didn't need to climb the further steps so I can take about half an hour <laughs> off my finish time. But... <laughs> Done. You, you do. You go back and edit your Strava. So, uh, or trim it. Yeah, I could trim it. So, yes, as far as we're concerned, you take courses for what they are. But yep. we, we, I, don't know, I don't know what that means for Broad Beach Park, Ron, but we'll leave that for another discussion. <laughs> we're on the other side of the fence for that one. Um, <laughs> all right, Kyle. Gold Coast Marathon, amazing. Well done to everyone who's who's participated in it, um, everyone who cheered it on. It's great to have it back. What it does for this this community is is immeasurable, I think. So, Kyle, let's move on from there. That, that's, it's going to be a big episode. So if you are listening to this um, all the way through, it might be a good time to intermission. pause. Make a coffee. We need a bit of it. We need a bit of it. Maybe we need Ben Deneen to make us some intermission music uh, for future long episodes. Just him noodling away on a guitar. Kyle, um, you're going to have to do this quickly then because we've still got a yes. lot to get through. That's um, right. We can. I can zip through the next couple of things because all I wanted how, to mention, like one of the things we said we were going to talk about was yep. Western states. So I just want to briefly yep. kind of touch on that because, um, like, the main thing there for me that I wanted to talk about was like Ruth Croft getting the win. So finally seeing an Oceania athlete, obviously she's from New yep. Zealand, take out the win there. She ran 17.21, which I'm pretty sure was the second fastest female time ever, second or third fastest, and it was a pretty hot year. So for her to run 17.21 was super impressive, and I think that just goes to show that the perfect lead-up race for Western States is definitely the Gold Coast Bulletin Fun Run at Rabina because Ruth has done the Gold Coast Bulletin Fun Run double with Western States. So I'm sure she's putting that up there with her Western States win, was getting her half marathon win in Rabina. So if anyone that remembers us talking about Ruth Croft, she's just gone and won Western States. So, yeah, I still can't believe she ran in Rabina that day. But anyway, what a double. What a double. So she, she took out the win. Alyssa McDonald was second in 1746. Uh, Marianne Hogan third in 1805 and then yep. on the male side Arlen Glick was third 1556 Hayden Hawke second 1547 and Adam Peterman who people are referring to as Jim Wamsley 2.0 wow. has taken the win in 1513 in his 100 mile debut so he has absolutely smashed that um, so 1513 that will be a name to watch Tom in the future Another tough day for Hayden, for Hayden Hawks, wasn't it? Like he's second, I think, last yes. year as well and sort of fatigued at the same point two years in a row. It looked at one stage that he wasn't even going to podium, so he's, he's run a pretty impressive yeah. last couple of uh, kilometer, last couple of miles there. And, and from those that, that went from the Gold Coast, we had sort of a mixed uh, bag of results of finishing and, and not finishing. But the, the feedback from all those athletes was that it was just incredibly hot. Um, if you look at the Strava results from those people that we know that finished you look at how long it took them to do the last 20 or 30 miles and it, it just looked oppressive heat um 
but that's what Western States is famous for and and uh, a re- remarkable achievement even just to qualify and get your name brought out of the lottery there. Yeah. But from Western States, Cole, um, let's quick, quickly mention um, Aura, the um, ultra-distance running um, group for Australia. They've, collect, they've, they've collected their 2022 um, IAU 100-kilometre team. The World Champs is on in Berlin later this year in August. Um, and we've got a couple of local people. I don't know how – actually, one local. I don't know where Dion is from. Um, but you've raced Sorry, against Dion, I think. So, have. Yeah, still, yeah, localish, East Coast. Um, Australia, so Australian, Kar- the Australian yeah. team, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> so Karina Black, uh, who's a local Gold Coast runner that everyone knows around here, she's been selected again. I think she's been to the world titles before. Um, yep. Every weekend when you wake up, you see Karina's done 50K on the oh, road. At so impressive. Five, so five impressive. Pace. <laughs> so she's one of six. So impressive. She's one of six females going. The two uh, male names that I recognise, Clay Dawson, um, who's from Brisbane, and as you said, Dion. Who? So, have you raced against Dion when you did your hundred k road races? Mm, yeah, he okay. won. No, yep. second. No, he was him and Clay were first and second yep. that day. Yes, miles ahead of so, me. So Clay and Dion are going. They're um, part of a four-person male team. So that's in August. So we'll watch out for those results. So good luck to Karina, particularly from the Gold yep. Coast, but also for Clay, um, Brisbane boy as well. Um, Kyle, let's go now. So we've given it enough time for results to filter through from the Brisbane Trail Ultra, which yeah. I just want to point out, first of all, for those of you who watch Western States, you would have seen um, Dylan Bowman and uh, Billy Yang and all those guys over there, the, the sort of commentators doing their continuous live feed. And we had a, pretty much a continuous live feed with our own Ben Deneen and uh, Jody yeah. Oborn, which was outstanding to see. It had a Western States type feel to it, um, probably not with the same geographical beauty of uh western states but the brisbane river looked nice on the live feed that was coming through so the <laughs> brisbane did. trail ultra and from people who finished it whether it was the 30 the 60 the 110 or the miler everyone says it's way harder than the elevation on the elevation profile gives it credit for um this year um it's been used as the spartan world titles i think for the 30 and the 110 i think is that right yep. 30 common and the 110 or the 100 mile so I think. Is it? was it um, so they actually had um, they had some Spanish athletes come out who did particularly well. So it's great to see some international athletes coming out. Um, so this started uh, over the weekend, Saturday morning. You could start the miler early, I think. You had an option of a midnight start or a later start than that. Um, but the the miler sort of has finished. There's a few female results that have come through in that. Um, I'm just refreshing that here. There's only one female finisher at the moment. Um Actually, in her time, her chip time is significant. Her chip time is out to 32 hours. So I'm not sure I'm not sure with the female 100 miler whether anyone's finished at the moment. We've got Marie Connor on there, which says 32 hours, 51 minutes. I've just refreshed that. Um, I had it written down earlier as 27 hours, but I'm not too sure what's happened there. Anyway, Kyle, I'll go through some results from the Brisbane Trail sure. Ultra. So as I said, we've got one finisher here for the females. That's Marie Connor. It's down as 32 hours, 51 minutes as it says at the moment, in the 100-mile for the males. In third place, Drew uh, Beswick. I think he was one of the earliest starters, 25 hours, 48 minutes. David Vroom, we mentioned him a few times. I um, can't remember what races he was from. 22 hours, 29 minutes. And Vlad Shatroff, uh, 20 hours, 21 minutes. Looked like Kieran O'Brien was his pacer um, for the later yeah. stages of that. So Kieran is a is a previous winner of the Brisbane Trail Ultra. So, um Vlad, I think, is doing a lot of racing at the moment. I think he mentioned in his post-race interview he's looking at UTA later in the year, which has been rescheduled to October. So Vlad's been around on the running scene here for many, many years and very, very high-caliber runner. 
Um, Kyle, what about the 110? We had a course record broken. Mike, Mike Carroll break the course record. I think he did. Yeah, and I'm trying to look because I'm just refreshing my results and they're going all over the place. So I, Mike Carroll's result has disappeared off my thing, but I know he took the, <laughs> I know he took the win in the mail. Do you have them written down? Because I've he's I, they've yeah. gone off the results. Well, I I'll, I'll do here. So, so I here have a third place in the 110. So Alex Hastings, 15:29. So they've got him in second at the moment, but obviously Mike, yeah, um, Carroll's time is first. Maybe he missed um, the 700. Minutes. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Matt Matt Gore, thirteen twenty-five, was second, yep. um, and Mike Carroll in eleven hours and eight minutes was first in the females. Uh, Katrina Baker, sixteen hours forty-four in third. Ursula Adams, sixteen forty-three in second, and Jen Millam in first in sixteen hours flat uh, for the females there. So let's also. There's a lot of races, isn't there? There's the the mile, there's the hundred and ten, and there's the sixty. Um, uh, what have we got in the 60 here? Have you got the 60k results? That they, they look to be pretty good from yeah, what I can tell. They can they do look reasonably accurate. So I'll go Ellen Bradley was third in the females, 748, and only two minutes ahead of her was Carol Robertson, who we've mentioned multiple times on the podcast. So she's yes. taken out second in <clears throat> 746. That's a great result from Carol. Um, Jill Fowler, who's done a lot of ultra running over a long year, a lot of years, she came up from Sydney, she ran 721. And took out the win um, in that race. So she's a very well accomplished ultra trail runner. In the guys, Lachlan Jamison was third, 620.57. He was only, what's this, 39 seconds behind uh, Marcos Pascual Martin from Spain. So another Spanish runner who's come across. Yep. He ran 620.18. Um, and Ian Best, he has run 615.40. So only, what, five minutes separating the top three over a 60K race. That's, that's yep. good racing. That's the 60K. So that was on, what, yesterday, kind of through the middle of the day. Yep. And if you look at the um, Marcos in second there, maybe he was one of the Spanish crew that they brought out for this. Um, yep. He's a, in the junior category, so 18 to 29. So maybe a young and up-and-coming name to watch for the future there. Uh, so the 30K was where we had a lot of international athletes actually come out. Um, so in the males, we had uh, Brody Nancurvis, in third place, two hours and eight minutes. In second, Aiden Hobbs, as we mentioned, backing up. <laughs> this guy is unstoppable. Backing up from the marathon last week, he runs a 205.31. I think this is the – is this the race where Aiden and Ben Duffus battled mm. it out last so year? So I don't know if you've was... seen. So Aiden's got the course record, I think, about 30 seconds faster than one Antonio won in yesterday. Yeah. But I had a look at Aiden Strava. So Aiden was leading when they hit the road. Yeah. And then he had to wait for the police to stop traffic and Antonio oh. pretty much caught him. And then he put a lead back into him and then took a wrong turn and lost the lead and then never caught back up. So he took Is a wrong right? turn, I think, in the last few K. So Antonio, I think, didn't know that he'd won potentially. That's why I think they were having a conversation on the finish line because I don't know if he saw that Aiden took a wrong turn. He thought Aiden was in front of him, I'd say. Um, because I read Aiden's um, Strava description and he was leading and took a wrong turn in the last few K and lost. Is the that lead. right? Wow. So, yeah. Well, dramatic finish. So, Antonio uh, Martinez Pereira's from Spain, 2003 and seven uh, seconds. So, Antonio, he races on the Golden Trail Series. He's come top 10 in a few races over there. So, extremely high caliber. Um, 
and he, he mentioned that, that Aiden was leading. Actually, in his interview, he mentioned that Aiden was leading for the majority of the race at the start. Um, so I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100 sure whether he knew that he was first crossing the line. Um, that's, that's that's hard luck for Aiden, isn't it? Stop for for, pol- for police, uh, and then you get done at the end. So that's that's unlucky. And then in the female um, category, we had another Spaniard, um, probably one of the Spaniards on the world stage at the moment, who is mm-hmm. taking a lot of press. So in third place, we had Patricia McNiven in 2.36.42. Second, we had Simone Brick uh, in 2.30.51. And then two hours 17, Sarah Alonso Martinez, so uh, a Spanish woman. Um, she just won the um, uh, Mont Blanc Marathon, which was the latest one on the Golden Trail Series. So she is racing out of her skin at the moment and has come over here to Australia with the, the Spaniards, the Spanish crew, um, obviously part of the, the Spartan, you know, sort of organisation to bring them out there and has taken out that win by 13 minutes. That's, that's, a, that's a, we set off air, didn't we, Cole? That's a big change from the mountains of uh, Chamonix and Mont Blanc to come out to the beautiful kangaroo rocks, cliffs and the, uh, and the South Bank promenade. So but great, to, great to have these international athletes out here. And as we said, the coverage that... Um, yeah, it was brilliant, that, wasn't that it? Brisbane Trail Ultra put on that Shona put on and, you know, Ben and, and Jody with the commentary was just wonderful to see. Uh, hopefully something which other racers can can get themselves around uh, and organise because it's great for people at home just to watch. Um, takes you a bit, it takes you away from Netflix, which I suppose is a good thing. Uh, yeah. we, can, we can watch runners coming across the line. Um, so they were the big races, weren't they? I think there was a, there was a shorter one as well. There was a, there was a 20 and a 10. Yeah. Um, but BTU, it's been around now for four years, three, three or four years. Um, yeah, it'd be about so that. It's, it's been a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of came on the scene, didn't it, at the same time the Guzzler did um, and those those two races. So they also had, they also had a segment called the Red Bull Climb. Um, mm. So uh, the female Red Bull Climb, Jessica Ronan, she did it in 948. I'm not 100% sure what event she was in. Uh, so she takes out the female Red Bull Climb and the male Red Bull Climb, Aiden Hobbs. There we are, 718. Beats uh, a mountain runner up the Red Bull climb. So Antonio Martez Perez did it in 801, Aiden Hobbs in 718. So you can see Aiden must have taken it out very, very strong, very strong at the beginning. Uh, and that's really unlucky. I'm going to have to read that Strava, Strava comment for him. <laughs> that's, that's very unlucky. It's um, an impressive double regardless. For him to do a 220 marathon and then nearly win that the week after is very, very impressive. Yep, yep, definitely. Um, Kyle, so anything else on BTU before I go to Goat Loop? information no, i think i said it was just making note of just how good it felt like a big race having that live broadcast like it was brilliant yeah i think that kind of it almost makes that race stand out a little bit more than some other ones having that type of coverage so like you said hopefully some other races can start to build on that and put some things in place to to make it happen because it made it so easy to follow that kind of finish yeah. of that 30k that i was watching it <clears throat> yesterday afternoon it was brilliant hmm. so uh from one big race to uh, another big trail course on the Gold Coast. Note from the GOAT, the GOAT loop. There's been a fair few comments this week on Strava about the lack of grading from Gold Coast City Council in the lead up to Kokoda. Some people have been a bit critical, so we'll see what happens with that. Maybe they'll get out this week with their shovels and their their backhoes and things like that and flatten it out for the Kokoda runners in a week's time. But, Kyle, the loops at the moment, 7,840 Eight loops have been done. Mm. Local legend, local legend Scott George, eighty-five loops. So he's just dropped back oh, off that keep, nine. Oh, he's still keeping it up though. It's still impressive. Yeah, it's still good. It's still, um, still only here's the interesting one. Still only two runners this year have gone sub thirty. Um, mm. So that's A grade 
and uh, Tommy Brimelo earlier in January. That's a long time. No one's gone sub 30 for five months now. Wow. Five, five months. Oof. So based on that, Kyle, I think we need to bring in a new segment on the podcast. Uh, fastest goat loop this week. We've got because not much is happening Ooh, on the goat loop. So like we, we need it. We need to make yeah. new segments. <laughs> fastest goat loop this week. So um, I did this yesterday, and I noticed the one loop's been done today. So I, I hope. Can you just check it for me while I'm talking this through? Can you just, can you jump on uh, the goat loop because I, I hope that the female that I'm going to say hasn't hasn't been displaced in the second place because we only had three females that looked like this week who'd done a goat loop. Um, so Kyle's just going to check that for me uh, to oh see. God, but you, you keep still. This is this is great radio, isn't it, Tom? Let me just log well, into my Strava. Well, here we go. So I think we should do this fastest loop each week uh, for the goat loop, or maybe each fortnight. Um, uh, to get us through the podcast. So at the moment, as far as I could see, Ebony Peterson, 50 minutes and 18 seconds was the fastest female goat loop. Um, for the males, uh, close competition, Brad, um, Ben Deneen was in second place, but Brad Ed, 36 minutes, 58 seconds, has the fastest goat loop for this week. Is that still yep. standing, Kyle, as we speak? Just Ryan Bolton, 37.04, just behind him. Oh, so that was, okay. So that was today. That was today. Just missed it. So... So, Brad, Ed, you've got it uh, there, and I think Ebony, Ebony Peterson then would be 50, 18 yep. for the females has still got it. So, well done to Brad and Ebony. They're our uh, fastest goat okay. leaders for the week. So, a new segment. There we go. Until anything like of real it. night happens, we have to bring <laughs> in a new segment. <laughs> um, all right, Kyle, let's let's have a bit of a look around now. What else we've got here? We didn't – there was a scenic rim race a couple of weeks ago that um, Benny and you didn't get to, unfortunately, but that was round three. Um, yep. the scenic rim short course because next week in a week's time there's round four on I think that's the end of the series there so let's just go through some results in uh, the short course let's go through the females um, Ellie Collette she came third in uh, with 59 minutes um, Hayley Verges 56 minutes and Claudia DeLuca in 48 minutes she got, took the win Claudia did in the males um, Kevin Connolly was third in 53 minutes Eric Apuku was second in 52. Owen Martin took out the win there in 47 minutes. In the long course, Heather Park for the females was third, 156. Um, Amanda Whitson was just ahead again on 156. And Michelle Barnes, there's a name, Kyle, from a few years back, as we said. I think she was in your three-hour yeah. pacing group from a few years back. A lot of credit came your way um, after Michelle broke the three hours. Was a, I remember there was an Instagram uh, post praising the, the pace runner, which was you on that day. So she um, she took out the win there, 138. So good to see Michelle still running. In the long course for the males, Brad Ed was third in 120. Um, Jack, uh, Jack Gill, not Jack Gill, Quinton Gill. Quinton Gill. We can't go an episode without mentioning him. We almost got away without talking about him for an episode. So uh, damn it. Right at the end. So, well, <laughs> at, at the moment, it seems to be, it's it's the trail running Gill. Quinton Gill is the trail running Gill uh, at the moment. 113. And Adrian, Adrian Janega, one twelve. Adrian has done well at um, um, in the raw, I think, in the last couple of years. He's done quite well at that. So well done to Adrian in one twelve there. So Kyle, there's the scenic rim. Round four is happening next week, and of course that all leads in nicely to the the scenic rim ultra. Um, so a few other things, Kyle, before we get on to what's coming up, I want to take you back six months if I can. Six months ago, at the the first episode we did this year, we actually went through some predictions for what we think is going to happen. So now that we're halfway through the year, I just want to um, go go over a couple of those predictions. You can tell me yay or nay, whether they've happened or whether they haven't. 
uh, or whether you still think they're going to happen. Um, so first of all, Kyle, 5K, 14.58 I had you down for. Hasn't happened. Definitely hasn't happened. Well, actually, now that we can go off my watch from last year, maybe we can just claim my 14.22. Tick that yeah. one off. Go go back and trim that uh, that 5K on Strava. So, Kyle's six months to go. Is it possible? Uh, who knows? Possible. Maybe. Possible. I might jump on the track yeah. if the Queensland champs are in another few months. You never know. I'll have a crack. Yep. Um, a goat loop prediction. You predicted 8,328. I predicted 9,027. As we said, Kyle, we're now up to 7,800. So, slowing you're, down. You're, it's slowing you're down. Yeah, well, it is actually. Slowing down. So it looks like you're going to lose out on that one. Um, we also said 24 loops will be done this year on the goat loop. Still hasn't mm. been done. Mm. Do you reckon it could be done? Yeah. I don't think it will. But no. I don't think it will. Not looking likely at this stage. That's an unlikely one, no. I think. <laughs> um, uh, so females, goat loop female under 30. Um, so that's been done now, hasn't it? Yeah. So really went under. Was, it, was that this year that it happened? That was last year, though. That was last year. Was it? Maybe you wanted another one. That must be your one. Um, uh, I can't remember what I wrote down for that. So, Kyle, you said top 10. Top 10 male would go sub 28. Well, considering we've had, what, two sub 30s in the first six months, that was looking awfully likely. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, you also said the, the top 10 female will go sub 36.30. You also said that the first page would be sub 30. Um completely so 25 people under 30 so that's these aren't looking good are they this, no I'm, I'm going real well with these predictions thanks for pointing we, that one out we've we've had a bit of a slow we've had a bit of a lull haven't we on the goat loop and i don't think we're it's going to come up with another series we're gonna have to come up with some other incentive to get people back out there well Half i think a, it all comes to summer goats it all comes down to gold coast city council doesn't it just 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 grade it for us. Surely someone on here <laughs> is listening from Gold Coast City Council. They can get get in touch with people that need to and grade this loop um, because that's where we're blaming this. People are just waiting. They're waiting and waiting and waiting until it gets graded. Um, I said this year, Kyle, this is stupid. I said this year that a double pyramid would be done and you said no. So you're looking good for that one. Remember the double pyramid? That's one for Up me. Five and down. Yep. Um, we did say at some stage a multi-loop event would happen. Um I said Jake Davis would win Coastal High 50, so that's going to be an interesting one. And do you mm. remember who you said? I did. That would be Tate. Tate. We're planning. We're, we're scheming. <laughs> we're scheming. He's back running. We're good. Is we're he? scheming okay. his return for Coastal High. All He's right. I'm, if, tell good. you what, if, if Jake has a day to remember next week at Kokoda, mate, that Coastal High is looking pretty good. Um, Kyle, here we go. So you said you wanted to hit 100Ks per week on average. Are you above it at the moment? Ooh, I'm below it, I think. I believe we've had what? We were 20, we must be 27 weeks. We're just yep. over halfway. I reckon I'm about 150Ks behind. Okay. Okay. So you're doing it. It's, it's, it's gettable. I'm it's okay. Definitely gettable. I'm okay. Yeah. I've had a few down periods. Obviously, baby arriving. I've had a few down weeks. I might have a really stellar yep. second half of the year. You never know. Well, well, the next week you're going to be above because you've got a 96k race uh, on the weekend. That's true. So Let's just tick that one off. Um, I'll... You said a sub 230 marathon, so that's working progress. Oh, at the well, well, you never know. You never know. I might just go have to yep. run around a track and just take my what? Will you take a watch reading for that? <laughs> yep, definitely. Whatever. Beautiful. Yep. Whatever happen easily. Um, you also said a a new goat loop PB will happen this year. That was your oh, prediction. Yes. It might be a New Year's yep. Eve one. Might have to. 
Probably not though, but we'll never know. Well, I've been on the trails. This is my, I'm in my trail block for this fortnight for the year. That's right. Might yeah. have to get out there in the next couple of days. Yeah, elevation. Um, <laughs> now your goals are looking pretty good in comparison to mine, Kyle. I said I was going to run 1735 for 5k. So that is and it's still time. Looking, it's, it's still time. Just <laughs> on the track. Time. Watch on the yep. outside hand. It'll tick it off in the next few weeks. You don't want to know. You don't want to know how hard I pushed today just to get under five minute pace on my on my, on my run. So I'm back jogging up. To, I'm jogging up to fifty k's a week at the moment. So uh, it's a building process. And I, I said um, sub five hours at Blackall, but obviously I've crossed most of those things out. Uh, but patience was my game, Kyle. I went for something very abstract. There you go. Uh, very very Big zen. Tick. So I can Big I can tick that one off. I'm actually tick Kyle. I don't know if you. My Strava. It's probably not looked at by a lot of people, but. My Strava has the Jake Davis uh, angle happening at the moment. It's beautiful. It's gone from 29 to 40 to 46 to 50. If I'm going to do 55 or 56 next week, it's just going to have that beautiful. Oh, it's looking climb. good. I'm just having a look. It's, yep. It's looking very good. And I reckon a few more weeks it? and you'll, you'll lose that waterfall you've got at the other end. That'll yeah. be good. Then it'll look much better. <laughs> it does, yeah, as soon as that drops off. But I've I'm, I'm got that Jake Davis, the Jake Davis um, sort of shape to it where it just like gradually it. goes up like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it'll all come good. It'll all come good. It will. So it will. Kyle, let's let's talk Kokoda because that's that's obviously a massive race coming up this weekend. I want to give you some stats and some details um, about previous because you're in a team that's obviously going for the win. Um, so 2019 wasn't a win for you. I think you came second that year. So if you're if you're looking at, at podiums for your teams, here's the sort of times that you're looking at for in 2019. It was 14.50, 12.38, which I think was your team, and then 12.07 was the winning time for the full distance. In last year, the winning time, which was your team, was 11.59. And, in fact, the all-female team won last year in 14 hours, 56. Um, that was Beck, Danielle, Sarah, and Shelley in that one. Um, if you're doing the 48-kilometre race, so 2019 was one in 6 hours, 36 and last year was one in six hours, 18. So you're getting close to that six-hour mark. There's for... been talk of a, of a potential course record this year in the 48. Yes. You've heard it yep. here first. Yep. Well, you we, know, my, my, my gear is actually going to be out on course, Kyle. So yes. I might actually, oh, I might actually claim. You could claim, it. You could claim <laughs> this record. Yeah. I reckon I've, if they I've... can actually take the right course and not do an extra hour on top of the course by making wrong turns, they might actually yep. do it. We'll yeah, see. I was actually I was actually asked today whether my poles are the type that fold up, and I said yes. They I had are. that on my they list of poles. things to ask you as well today when we got on here. Was are your poles available? <laughs> for a certain so point? I yeah, in some way I could be part of a course record this weekend. But Kyle, yeah, let's let's go through. So who's in your Kokoda team? It's a little bit different from last year. Um, uh, well, who have you, who've you lost no, and who have you gained? It actually is not finalised yet, so you, well, oh. it should be finalised by the time people hear this. So mm-hmm. it may have changed, it may not. We're still undecided on the final makeup of this team. So um, Jake's making a call today whether he will be running or not. We do have a secret backup who's ready to go, who's in very good form at the moment. Who I'm not going to mention. We'll leave it as a surprise. People can just wait till the start line. Um, but we do have a backup depending. So Jake will either be there or we'll have a, someone else. Um, otherwise it's Tom Brimlow, myself and Rob, who yep. we're feeling good. We're, we're ready to go. We're just yep. finalizing the other, the other member of the team, but otherwise I, we're good. We're, we're ready to I'd go. Love to, I'd love to play a guess who, remember the old ball game guess who? I'd love to play a guess who. No, because you'll guess right. it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be a long game. Or I'll just ask you. Um, 
And do you know of other other teams and other makeups? Is the Salt Train have they got a team in this year? Is Eddie no, and I don't think they've got a team in. Um, we've got the other Norths ladies team, which is now half ladies, half men, which will be quite entertaining to call them across yep. the line. The Norths, the Norths ladies. Um, yep. I don't know. I don't know any others. I haven't looked through the website, um, but no. no, not that I know of. So I'm kind of hoping that we can take it a little bit easier and enjoy the day a little bit more. Cause my one goal from Saturday is I don't want to end up in the medical tent again. So if I can end up eating pizza and drinking a few beers on the finish line, I don't care about the time. It's, it's been a success. That's my one goal. Now. So, I mean, what's the, the omission from last year, the, the big figure who's missing from Kokoda, who's been pretty much ever yeah. present in most winning teams. What's it going to be like? So I, I don't without, know without, without Henry. Henry. I don't know if he's officially like, this is his like, Kokoda retirement announcement. We haven't seen an official press release from Henry, but I think this will, that would have, he's had, I don't know how many he's won. He's done eight or nine or something. I think he's won he's probably won. close to all of them. Five, he's won five of them. Yeah. Um, five or six, yeah. But yeah, he's he's not going to be there this year for probably the first time in any of these teams. But yeah, it'll be different. He was kind of like the, the leader of the group that guides us around and the doctor that we need oh. on the team when we're all standing on the side of the trail, not knowing how to keep going and can pull the tow rope on us if we need to. So yeah. Someone's going to have to have to pull me up that final climb on the tow rope, not Henry, this year. So, yeah, might have to be Rob. <laughs> well, like you said, I mean, Kokoda is—it's uh, very different from running a, an ultra on your on your own, isn't it? Because you're all going to have good and bad patches at different time. Um, and I think in talking to Henry in the previous years when he's done it, he said basically his job has always been not to be the fastest or the best runner out there, but just to be the one that checks in on everyone regularly, saying, you know, how are you going, and trying to trying to figure out where the where the strength in the team and where the, you know, the recovery point in the team actually is and, you know, that kind of role. So um, someone else, I don't know who's going to do it, who's going to have to take on that role. Unless Henry's the one that's, it, surely Henry's not the the reserve who's jumping in. I know you can't say, but oh, oh wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be a story for the, wouldn't that be a story? Henry comes back from the wilderness, comes back from the wilderness and joins in for another win. Um, I would say that's not going to happen. I don't know anything no, don't. about this. I, I must say to the listeners, I don't know anything about this at all. So I'm in the dark as much as everyone else. So I'll be watching uh, watching Kyle's Instagram in the next 24 to 48 hours to see if there's a team team announcement. Um, so, Kyle, that's happening. But there's a couple of other big races that are happening at the same time as well in the next few, few weeks. So the Guzzler is on yeah. the 23rd um, and the Flinders Tour, AAA race, the Flinders Tour is on the 23rd as well. And also then Scenic Rim round four of the short course is on as well so it's coming thick and fast now it's coming very quick very thick and it fast the, the races um you know after that we've got a few things on um what are coastal highs coming up as well of course glass houses later in the year and we've got the sunny coast marathon as well so yeah so kyle take us outside of kokoda now let's say so kokoda gets done and dusted where where do you go with your training after this um, do you have things lined I don't, up? It, I just want to get through Kokoda. I have nothing lined up. Um, I don't know how I'm going to pull up from Kokoda. A lot of the guys that I train with are looking at either the half or the 10K at Sunny Coast. So maybe something at Sunny Coast, whether I'll be racing or pacing or doing something up there. Um, no, I'm going to wait and see how I pull up from from Kokoda. And then the other thing that I've just started to think about almost this morning was potentially GC50 in December, having a a bit of a crack at a road 50k in December, but we'll see. That's in the pipeline, potentially having a good crack at GC50, but we'll see. No one knows that. I just thought about it this morning. We we're talking about it with a couple of people. So you never know. Maybe GC50. 
Well, Carl, it's it's bizarre how the universe works because yesterday, as I said, I I'd said to you before that you're on your face is on a, on a few of the photos on the GC50. And the only reason I know that is because yesterday I was actually having a look at it because I was feeling the same thing. I was like, mm. I'm starting to look ahead to the next few months and go, okay, build through, build through, get some fitness back. You know, maybe in five months' time I could be looking at a race. What's happening then? I was like, GC50. That thing has destroyed me multiple yeah. times in a row. And I thought the only way to get back at it is just to double the distance. Um, all right, Kyle, maybe. that's That sounds good. I like that. I'd love to see you in a, in a road 50. I was have a Racing News podcast battle, battle in December. Could be on. I'd want 50 minutes, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to be ready. I'd want to take 50 minutes over that. I think that's what, um, that's what Brody gave me over Blackall one year was 50 minutes. So I'd take that on the road. It might even be more on the road. I don't know, but. We'll see. We'll see. That sounds good. That sounds we'll good, see. Kyle. I wrote a road fifty. It's been a few years since you've done a road fifty since um yeah. you set your national record. Um do you reckon you'd be what do you reckon you'd do for a fifty at the moment? Oh, big call now. Should I put out a big number now and everyone will forget by the time I hit December? <laughs> yeah, no one will remember. Uh, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> no, I won't. I've, I've no idea. It depends what the conditions are like. If we get a good day like last year where the conditions were pretty good, then I'll try and run yeah. fast. But if not It'll just be survive and not be sitting under a shower at the 40k mark, just done, <laughs> pulling off to the side. That will be my goal. Beautiful. All right, mate. Well, that's that's a big bumper episode. Um, yeah. What are we up to? An hour, nearly an hour and a half there. But as we said, the Gold Coast Marathon was huge. Um, the Brisbane Trail Ultra was massive as well. We've had a lot of things happening around the grounds. Um, and we'll be back in a fortnight with, uh, I guess, a, a wrap-up from not only Kokoda, but also Guzzler and Flinders Tour. So that'll be a big episode yeah. Um, jumping around those things, but yeah, if you if you're out next week at all, um, follow the athletes around um, the uh, the Kokoda race. It's always good to get to. What's the checkpoint just before you enter? Um, before you enter Narang, late on, you're at seventy k or something. Uh, Kaigrabar, you just perform Kaigrabar, yeah. That's yeah. that's a really good spot for people to get out to. Um, because hmm. you've just come down um, Hellfire, haven't you? You just come down yep. Hellfire to just get to the there. bottom of Hellfire. Yeah. Um, so that's always a good spot to see the athletes before they disappear into the into the forest, and then yeah, be there at the end to see if see if Kyle can go back to back in Kokoda. Just wheel me over to the medical tent, pop me on the drip, and I'll be good to go in an hour. Beautiful. All right, mate. Thanks. Thanks again, and uh, right. we'll see everyone. See everyone. Good luck for Kokoda, and we'll see everyone in a in a fortnight. Thanks, mate. Talk to everyone. Beautiful. Then. See ya. See ya.